It is January 10th, and we are so glad that you have joined us to worship Christ the Lord. to worship is found in Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace.
Joshua chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long last blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the Ark, with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the Ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. And then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the Ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the Ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the Ark of the Lord. All this time the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town! Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rehab, the prostitute, and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. 
Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in her house, because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that time Joshua invoked this curse. May the curse of the Lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest son, he will set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his reputation spread throughout the land. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you hear us virtually. I thank you that you are in our presence virtually. And I thank you that you walk with us and are near to us all the time. I thank you for your love and your grace to us. Oh God, I pray that we would have humble hearts and open minds to allow you to work your will in our lives today. As we see you continue to write your story in our lives on this planet Earth, and that we this day would be willing to be your hands and feet in helping our family and fellow Manitobans. Fill us, O Lord, with a heart of love, a love that you gifted us through your Holy Spirit. God, guide our leaders. Guide Right Honorable Justin Trudeau and the Right Honorable Brian Pallister and help them to lead with integrity and courage and wisdom and they would be able to see the big picture. I also pray for our leaders here in our municipality, Lord, that they would make decisions that are honoring to you and pleasing to you. God, I thank you for our tireless health workers. Protect them, O God. Give them wisdom as they serve with compassion and yet function through the heartache that they see. Lord, I pray for the school teachers as their lives affect our children in very many ways. I pray that you would give them courage uh, as they make decisions in their classrooms, that those decisions would honor you. Lord, I pray for our frontline workers, for the firemen, for the policemen. I pray, Lord, that you would protect them I pray, Lord, that you would give them an understanding what to do in each situation that they find themselves in. Lord, I thank you for the people who have lost much during this pandemic. Lord, a lot of people have lost their jobs. I pray, Lord, that you would help them in their payments and help them in their everyday uh, things that they need to do, Lord. Give them a way, an understanding of what they need to do to make the money that they need to live. Lord, I also pray for the people who have lost their businesses or people who have their businesses businesses have been put on hold. Lord, help them to be patient and resilient during these difficult times. Oh God, heal our land that we would see glimpses of your greater purpose. Lord, you have placed us as, a rep- as representatives as we brush shoulders with many different people during this week. Oh God, help us to be faithful, to be obedient in bringing joy because you are the giver of life 
you are the giver of abundant life and that we would offer hope, a hope that gives the assurance that you are the almighty God, you are sovereign and faithful in every situation and every relationship. And our hope is that after this life, that we would be prepared for heaven because you have prepared a place for us. That hope we show by living it out, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, our Lord and King, becoming more and more like you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, McGregor EMC, depending on when you're tuning in to this message, and Happy New Year. I'm Dan Ingram. I'm a follower of Jesus, husband to Danielle, and father to three kids, Eliana, Nathaniel, and Wesley. And I serve as a co-director at InterVarsity Circle Square Ranch, a Christian camp and retreat center where we've lived for almost five years. And the ranch is about 30 minutes south of where I am now at the church. I've gotten to know Pastor Russell over the last couple of years, and before lockdown number two, uh, we got to host him, Shannon, and Noel at the ranch. Uh, while they were visiting, we thought it would be a great idea for me to uh, come back and speak at McGregor EMC and provide a ministry update as a follow-up to the message from May 2020, when I was last year. What we didn't know at the time was that I would be again speaking to nobody but the sound person, uh, <laughs> which is an audience of one again today, and I've not met people in person. Uh, you've got to hear me online twice. Uh, the last time I was here, I spoke uh, on the day of prayer for camp, and it was also the day that we had to cancel overnight camp. It was a very significant day, and I shared about that in my last message. And so if you prayed after that last service, thank you. Uh, since then, God has been at work, and much has happened since that May day. And this morning, I'll be sharing what God has been teaching me and our staff team through the book of Joshua, sharing some stories from camp and inviting you to imagine how these stories apply to you today in early 2021 during lockdown number two. Now, before I get into the scripture, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Jesus, you hold all things in your hands, and you knew that I'd be speaking again in 2021 uh, during lockdown two, and you knew that people would be listening uh, to this message at home. And I pray that what I say would connect uh, through your spirit to those who are at home uh, listening. Uh, that the words of your scripture uh, would connect with people's hearts. And there would be uh, encouragement through the, the story shared. And that it would lead to further connection and the building of your kingdom. So guide my sharing and those listening. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Before we get to the story of Joshua, it's important to frame the story with the backstory of the family of God, beginning in Genesis. Abraham was the beginning of the family of God. God chose him and invited him to go to the unknown with the promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on land, a promised land of their own that they would occupy and be a blessing to the whole world. Abraham trusted God by faith and left. And after a 25-year wait, he finally had a child, a son Isaac. And Isaac and his son Jacob would continue to follow in these promises 
without seeing them fulfilled, as would Jacob's son Joseph. Then, after more than 400 years in Egypt, through Moses' leadership, the first big breakthrough happened when God rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea and led them through. God was the waymaker. He made a way when there was no way. However, the Israelites soon forgot what God did. They became a bunch of grumblers, a glass-half-empty kind of people, and they lacked the faith to take the land that was given to them. When 12 spies were sent out, only two of the 12 trusted God enough and thought they could take the promised land with his help. And as a result, the whole generation wandered in the desert for 40 years. Moses himself does not enter the promised land, but Joshua succeeds him. He was one of the faithful spies, and he's given a chance. And the book of Joshua is all about what happens as the Israelites take the promised land. So as the book begins, instead of 12 spies this time, Joshua just sends two spies to scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan around the city of Jericho. When they get to Jericho, they decide to stay at Rahab the prostitute's house in the wall. Prostitutes were used to keeping secrets. Rahab was no exception as she actively defies the king of Jericho to hide the spies and then puts her faith in the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 9 of Joshua, she says, I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing these things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Wow, how encouraging this would have been. In the face of fear, Rahab shows tremendous faith, unlike many Israelites, and puts her trust in the God of Israel. The Israelites then have a repeat performance of crossing waters as the Jordan parts for them, the Jordan River. They recommit to God and prepare to attack Jericho with the inside information from Rahab. But what was Jericho about? Jericho was a fortress city built thousands of years before Joshua was born and was one of the oldest cities in the world at the time. It represented the beginning of the Promised Land, the Gateway, and was seen at the time as an invincible city by the Canaanites. Soldiers standing guard on top of the walls could see for miles. It was known as the Moon City because it was made to honor the false Canaanite gods of the moon. The city was not big in area. It covered only half a mile or seven acres, but the walls were 25 feet high and 20 feet thick. So the walls were what made it seem invincible. All of the Canaanite military strategy depended on their belief that Jericho could not be defeated, and this was the belief of the peoples surrounding the whole area. They thought it was impossible to take down Jericho. There was no way to do it, and without Jericho going down, there was no way into the Promised Land. The Canaanites didn't think Israel's God was a fortress God, as Israelites camped on the plains of Jericho, it's very interesting that God intentionally makes them vulnerable. They are asked to circumcise the entire male population to renew their commitment to follow the Lord. I won't explain what circumcision is, but I will say that uh, this would have made them unable to fight for a number of days and vulnerable. They are also made vulnerable in that this is the time that the manna, 
which was the bread from heaven <clears throat> that had been provided for 40 years, uh, stopped its supply uh, so that the people had to find their own food source each day. So while the people wait uh, to attack Jericho, they become vulnerable physically and then practically. So all this reminds me a lot of last year, uh, between March and June, and even now to some extent, when we all became physically separated and practically limited in buying food and items like toilet paper. We too uh, were made vulnerable. All we could do was wait and to worship with our families. And we're still doing this now. In chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. This too sounds like pandemic restrictions, doesn't it? But in the midst of that, the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. What an incredible thing to know before the battle started that God had given Jericho to the Israelites. God has never lost a battle, and the battle was done before it began. Only God is invincible. Jericho was not. Now we know that Jesus has won the battle by defeating enemy number one, Satan, when he died on the cross. In the largest sense, it's a done deal. And similarly, it was a done deal at this time for the Israelites. But how would God choose to fight this battle? Would he use usual ways of military tactics in fighting or not? Well, first they were asked to do a seven-day parade around the city. Once a day, and then seven times on the seventh day. Why seven? Seven reminds us of all of creation, of completeness. And when we studied this with our our staff team at the ranch, we thought it provided a chance for the Canaanites, representing all nations, to turn to the Lord, just as Rahab did. To trade in their fear, which was paralyzing to the fear of the Lord, which would lead to trust. And I believe this demonstrates God's willingness to wait and be patient for us. The second thing that happens as the Israelites go around is that the parade was not a normal marching parade because in this one there were non-military priests blowing trumpets announcing the Lord's presence in the ark. Third, the people who were to be the people were to be completely silent as they walked around until the seventh day when the trumpets would sound and the people would shout. So there's a sense of being still and silent and uh, a sense of worship imagery. There's so much religious imagery uh, with the Lord's presence in the ark, the priests and the trumpets, that this is not really a military strategy at all or a warfare shout. It's a shout of praise. And verse 20 says, When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. And suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. This was God's battle plan, his way. And when we fight God's way with prayer, worship, and scripture, and focusing on people, we follow this way too. There are other uh, scriptural tie-ins here. If you read uh, 2 Chronicles 20, uh, there's a similar sense of the Israelites fighting with worship and prayer and battle. And here there's a whole family involved. Uh, with kids also. And we know the tie-in uh, in the New Testament with Ephesians 6, 12, 
that our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So these are the battles we're engaged in now, uh, not in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense, uh, but it, act, it, it acts just the same. So this connection with Rahab also was key uh, because of her inside information about Jericho. And I'm imagining the people as they walk around knowing what Jericho uh, was going through because of what Rahab told them, that the people were terrified, uh, would have helped the Israelites as they walked around and have confidence uh, of a win and an outcome. But what about uh, Rahab? Rahab was chosen to be King David's great-grandmother after this. And through David's lineage, Jesus would come to rescue the whole world. God chose Rahab, an unlikely person, to partner with him. And I believe God often will choose unlikely people to partner with us in the face of impossible things. Through the capturing of Jericho and the partnership with Rahab, something far greater happens. We have Jesus' life, his death, and his salvation for the world. And I find it's incredible that God used Rahab in this. She's honored in Hebrews 11:31 when it says, It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city. He refused to obey God, for she was given a friendly welcome to the spies. So this provides an incredible redemption picture to this story of Jericho. But I want to give you another picture to hang on to for the rest of this message. Because some scholars believe that as the walls came down, they landed in such a way as they became ramps into the city. So as you imagine the blocks or the, the concrete blocks falling, uh, they basically became uh, access points then for the Israelites. So the thing that was designed to keep the people out became the thing that helped them to get in. And I believe this gets at what Romans 8.37 says. Uh, Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Because of the incredible love of Jesus, our victory is an overwhelming victory. So what seemed like an impossible thing uh, became a great opportunity and an overwhelming victory. So what does this have to do with COVID-19 and our current situation? Well, I believe the story of Jericho has helped our staff team to interpret how God has been at work in our lives through the last year. In March, like you, we were all faced with a scary and intimidating wall, this thing called COVID-19. We didn't know much about it, and for that reason, it caused much fear and intimidation. In our vulnerability, as we discover more time for being still before God, we were able to pray and to worship and remember that God was our way maker, that he was going to make a way for us despite the wall in front of us. We just didn't know how. In March and April, despite lockdown one, we were able to complete a major uh, project at the ranch uh, when our town hall deck was rebuilt. I had desperately tried to make this happen in the fall, uh, but it didn't go ahead, and I didn't want to be in the way of retreats. But March and April turned out to be the perfect time because all of our retreats were canceled. It was also the perfect time because the next thing that happened was we had 60 migrant workers from Mexico who farmed the asparagus fields below the ranch. 
And they came to stay at the ranch, and without the deck, it wouldn't have been a great spot for them because we basically gave them the whole building uh, for the two months. Uh, many of these men have never had a paid vacation in their lives, and they had two weeks on quarantine where they weren't able to work. But they were able to enjoy the land, to rest, and to play soccer and do some things they really uh, liked. <clears throat> it was so encouraging for us to have these men on site when nobody else was allowed to stay at the ranch. And the extra two weeks of quarantine provided really necessary funds for us in a difficult season financially. Now, how else did God become the waymaker? Well, in the off-season, our maintenance staff had spent considerable time improving our staff houses uh, and connecting internet to all of them across the site. We didn't know this at the time, but it became necessary to have internet at the houses because when the Mexican uh, workers came, uh, we had to quarantine also at our houses. And that wouldn't have worked uh, for us and the staff team without uh, the internet. And all the changes that we had made in the off-season, uh, not knowing what was going to happen, turned out to be absolutely crucial uh, to set up the next thing. In May, it finally became clear that overnight camp was canceled. And that was the last day that I, I uh, shared with you with the online message. And we had hired a, about a dozen staff for the spring and summer season and had to break the news to them that we couldn't pay them anymore without overnight camp. Uh, nine of them were students and they needed funds to pay for uh, school. And so we expected many of them to quit. Instead, 100% uh, of them, all, all dozen of them, decided to move to the ranch and to help us run day camps and improve our site without any guarantee of, of pay. One week after uh, they arrived, we received word that we'd received uh, $50,000 from a green team of Manitoba Grant to cover minimum wage payment for all these staff. For me, it was so joyful because the staff had come in faith, trusting God to provide for them. And in the end, they made much more than they would have if overnight camp would have happened. So this was incredible provision and set things up for us in a way that was uh, quite encouraging. Uh, later on, we did a, a hay fundraiser when uh, the hay we were supposed to use didn't work out. And uh, more than 50% of the money for this hay fundraiser came from these young staff uh, who were overwhelmed with God's generosity to them. Now, they were delayed about a month. Uh, usually, uh, these uh, staff would come in May. Uh, they didn't come till June. And they spent about six weeks uh, online as a community, uh, growing through Zoom connections, uh, Bible studies and check-ins. And one would think that the delayed arrival would have really hurt their sense of community and their ability to work together. But in, in a sense, uh, the complete opposite happened. They were more bonded when they arrived, more focused on relationships with God, more vulnerable with each other, more ready to, to serve. And uh, they became the best team that we've ever worked with. Their six weeks of communicating intentionally with each other gave them a great uh, foundation for the rest of the ministry they would do once they arrived. So God continued to be the waymaker. We only had two weeks to prepare uh, once the staff arrived um, for day camps and to recruit for day camps because we had to scrap our overnight program. 
And in the previous summer and most of our summers before that, only about a third of our campers uh, have come from within an hour's distance of the ranch. So that put Brandon and Winnipeg off, off limits for day campers. But a number of families uh, locally that we knew came through, signed up their kids, <clears throat> and then a bus was provided through River Valley Farms uh, to enable several families from Portage to send their kids back and forth. Also, amazing connections uh, happen in the town of Treehern, uh, where a kid who wanted to do his, his work placement through, uh, through the high school led to a connection with a whole bunch of kids who then came uh, for day camps. All this seemed like God's grace to us, and there was a great mix of kids from church backgrounds and not church backgrounds. And uh, as we reflected on that, we were really in awe of what God did and how these day camps came together. As 2020 had begun, uh, I believe God had given us a promise that he was going to do a new, new thing. So we were really questioning, what was that new thing? And the new thing was not necessarily day camps as a program specifically. Uh, it was much larger than that. Until recently, Circle Square Ranch has had very few local campers uh, during the summer camp. And uh, I would say the ministry lacked local foundations. Day camp forced us to be only local because that's the only people that could come. And the best part of the local connections was that we got to minister to parents every day and talk through what the kids were learning when we saw them at drop-off and pick-up. This was a surprising gift and opportunity of doing day camps. And it was a new thing for us. Uh, normally, parents will pick their kids up on, uh, on Saturdays after a whole week of camp, and the kids are so tired that they only get a five-minute conversation before they fall asleep. But in day camp, they were fresh, and they involved their, their parents each day. Being local um, also allowed us to, to have kids in specialized programs. Uh, we knew them better, and uh, so we weren't supposed to do things like leaders in training, which is for teenagers, uh, but we had a handful of girls who signed up who were teenagers, and within a couple days, we were able to put together a program for them. And it was really joyful to, to be able to, to continue a pattern of developing uh, young leaders and future staff. With only 70 kids this summer, we knew every name. And in our debrief, we could talk about each camper and pray for them personally. Because the bus drives were 45 minutes each way at least, uh, we got to know the kids even better. And it provided a space for great conversation with staff and campers that other, otherwise wouldn't happen. Almost every day, the staff on the bus would come back and share about the God-centered talks they'd had with campers. <clears throat> and one day, I had an interesting experience where I was overhearing uh, two kids doing a crossword puzzle we'd provided. And one kid who's not from a Christian background said to the other kid, I found God. And the other kid said, well, where? And uh, this guy had found God in the crossword puzzle, G-O-D, even though it wasn't one of the words that they were supposed to find. Uh, but this kid was so tuned in to learning about God uh, and everything he did that that's just what he was looking for. So another surprise, surprising gift of day camp. The other extraordinary thing about day camp was that it freed up time and space uh, to refresh and renew the site because we didn't need as many staff. Usually maintenance is all about just doing the bare minimum to make it through summer. Uh, but some weeks we had as many as a dozen people 
who would blitz the site for painting projects that were needed for years and years and other, other major things. Our young maintenance team was strengthened by the more seasoned bus drivers. They're mostly men from McGregor, former farmers and mechanics. He would have uh, eight hours every day between the drop-off and the pickup uh, where they were marooned at the shop waiting for the kids. And so while they waited, they said, oh, I could do this welding, I could repair that thing. Uh, they would mentor our young staff. And the 20-something staff just loved the investment from these older bus drivers. And then they got to invest in a bunch of younger uh, local teens who were working at the shop. So the maintenance ministry became a significant uh, part of our overall ministry, and I'd say as significant as the day camp. When the campers went home in the evenings, it allowed us to spend considerable time in prayer, worship, and scripture study with our team. And uh, we were able to talk about things like racial injustice, which became a major theme through the summer. And we had space to talk about that and to dig into scripture. Uh, half of our staff were not, are not white, and so they were able to share their own experience uh, in racial injustice. So in March, when we first looked at the wall of COVID and the restrictions, we wondered how God would make a way for ministry to happen. He clearly made a way, and a half dozen of the kids that came to day camps uh, gave their lives to him. Every single kid that came had a tremendous time learning, received excellent mentorship, and wanted to come back. Many of them came back for, for multiple weeks. But it got us to still continue in the ministry we feel called to, seeing kids encounter Jesus. And one story I'd like to share is about a camper uh, who was offering to pray at every activity station. So this year we had to hand sanitize at every activity station, just uh, one of the protocols. And so we thought, well, if you have to hand sanitize at every station, we'll get the campers to pray at every station also. And so this kid offered to pray at every single station. <clears throat> the kid's counselor was surprised because the camper came from a non-Christian background. And so he asked him, where did you learn how to pray? And the camper said that he learned to pray a few years before when he came to Teepee Village as a young camper. And then he prayed at home during the year based on what he had been taught in those uh, weeks at camp. Uh, this camper, the next day, gave his life to Jesus uh, in that week, and then he signed up for another week when he came back. And by this time, he was growing so much that he told another camper uh, that God will help us overcome, and was overheard. The counselor overheard him telling another camper, God will help us overcome. Wow. Uh, this really reminded me of the impact of camp. We've seen kids with absolutely no family support in following Jesus, and that they, may, they make the very most of what they've received at camp, and follow Jesus all the way through the year. Another gift of day camps is that we've been able to follow up with some campers, uh, like this, this camper, through horse lessons on Saturdays, which is something we've never done before. So instead of only seeing them through July and August, we got to see them all the way through uh, into, into October. And so I agree with this camper. Yes, God will help us overcome. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loves us. It was incredible how all this happened in the face of the wall when the way was made. And so this was our experience last spring and summer. The walls created by COVID restrictions actually became ramps to what we believe are ingredients to a more fruitful future ministry. Stronger local connections, ministering to the whole family, effective follow-up, specialized discipleship, maintenance ministry among three generations, site renewal, 
in partnership with local businesses like the asparagus farm who provided the bus and the migrant workers. When summer ended, we were filled with joy and gratitude for all that God had done. But we soon discovered that all of our fall bookings were canceled on us due to COVID. Between Labor Day and now we found out right till May, it looks like all of our bookings will be canceled. This amounts to more than $75,000 of lost revenue from about 20 retreats. Added to this loss is the other big loss of seeing many youth groups and adults uh, coming to know Jesus better on retreats, something that happens at camp in ways that we don't normally see elsewhere. Uh, a recent survey of camp directors in Canada says that one-third of camps will close by next summer if overnight camp is not possible. Where we could see God's hand very clearly from March to August, we now see another wall. This wall also is intimidating and can produce fear because we don't know when it will end. But we are again praying that this thing that was designed to keep people out, God is able to make as a ramp to the greater thing that we hope he will do. And so far, God has provided through surprising donations so that 2021 is looking far more encouraging than we thought. Now, remember Ahab? She was not an Israelite, but an outsider who became an insider in God's incredible salvation plan through Jesus. Often, as a Canadian church, we do not see many new believers from outside our church families at services and gatherings. At camp, most of our campers are not from church families. And every year, we've seen at least a dozen kids a week give their lives to Jesus. There's nothing better than this. Many of these kids have never heard about Jesus and are really interested. Right now, two-thirds of our campers will not be able to come to camp next year if it's just day camp again. There's much at stake for kids who would not otherwise enter a church building in their lifetimes. Camp ministry is one of the mission arms of the church, and I believe it's at risk of being cut off. As we wait, we are putting our hope in God to make a way again. How bad do we desire God to break through and make camp ministry possible again? For me, it's a lot. There's nothing that's more joyful than seeing kids transformed. How about you? What are we as a church going to do as we wait and hope there's still going to be camp without lim with limitations? And then church gatherings with some limitations. With social distancing being a thing, it's likely we won't be able to use uh, some of our facilities again. Uh, like our wagons, our chuck wagons. So we're in the process of building new cabins, and we put some concrete down in hopes that in spring we can build one or two more. We'll again be relying on God's generosity through his people, and we're focused on raising support so that our staff can stay on and our sites can continue to operate. Do you, people of McGregor EMC, or those listening in, believe the challenge caused by COVID before us will become a ramp to the next thing God is about to do. This is not just for Christian camps and other ministries, but for all of us as the body of Christ. Do we believe God is going to do something greater through the current situation? So how will this wall become a ramp to launch the next thing? I'm afraid there's going to be some more waiting. But let's wait with expectation. Let's pray. Let's worship. Let's stand on God's promises so that after the wall is down, we'll be in a better position to see God's greater salvation plan through Jesus happen in new and creative ways. 
In January 2020, last year, I never could have imagined what was about to happen. This January, we cannot also imagine what God is going to do in this next year. But we can know that he will win this battle. The wall will come down and his kingdom will advance. Until then, let's ask God how he is making a way for us to accomplish his purposes. Now, will you pray with us? And I will pray for you, McGregor EMC, that you begin to see the walls that you're experiencing become ramps and that God will work powerfully through you in 2021. And I'll pray to that end right now. Jesus, thank you that you are in control. You're able to make the current wall, this thing before us, into an opportunity for your uh, kingdom expanse and growth. And I pray that you give uh, all of your people at McGregor EMC and those listening in uh, greater expectation for what you might do. Give them hope for what you might do. And in the meantime, help them to wait well. Help them to lean into you, to listen, to grow in the relationship with you, to encourage others. And we look forward to what you're going to do in this next year. In Jesus' name, amen. Just going to close with this. This is a quote from a song called Take Courage by Christine DeMarco. And I believe it ties in well and hopefully will lead into the worship time uh, you've either had or will have. And it goes like this. You who hold the stars who call them each by name will surely keep your promise to me that I will rise in victory. Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope. Watch what triumph unfold. He's never failing. And I'll say it again with the, the plural. Uh, you who hold the stars, you call them each by name, will surely keep your promise to us that we will rise in victory. And we look forward to seeing how that plays out. And thanks for listening in. Hope to meet some of you in person someday instead of just uh, through the audio recording. And we'll look forward to that in better days to come.
Thank you. Thank you, Dan, for sharing from your heart. I thank you for sharing what the Lord has showed you and, and spoken to you. I thank, thank you for um, just being God's spokesman today. For benediction, I would like to pray a prayer that comes out of Ephesians. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we might know him better and better, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we might know what is the hope to which he has called us and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. May your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ be demonstrated through you this week as you seek to walk in the Spirit. Amen. <laughs>